Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here we go, Dina. Yo. Another week, another pod. Let's go. Exciting, exciting. Always, always good to bring you a new episode of A Little More Good. So thanks for tuning in. Yes. Welcome back, everybody. If it's your first time, welcome. Yeah. Um, We've got an exciting conversation this week. Uh, You know, we've got this special ongoing series with dear friend, uh, dear mentor, someone we look up to dearly in life, Judy Brooks. So so she's been a guest. She's co-hosted. And this is the second, the second, I believe, third. third. So the third in our third. ongoing series with, uh, with the one and only Judy Brooks. Yeah, and she's brought with her the amazing Sean Carter. Yes, what a guy! Not not to be confused for for Jay Z, the lesser known Sean Carter, who's married to Beyonce. Yes, not that one. Not that one. We're the more well known Sean Carter. Yes, designer, no, artist, known and, known and loved here here in Vancouver. It's a story of resilience, creativity, finding your uniqueness. Yes. I was so moved by his by his story, by his journey, um, by his his uniqueness in life. Um yeah, this was one that like really sat with me for a while after. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think for me some of the some of the real takeaways without any spoilers. Um obviously Sean tells an incredible story about his life. And kind of the the way that he grew and evolved into the person he is today, um, but with this like unique emphasis on intentionality, and he is a designer, but bringing that kind of like design uh, application to your life. So designing your life, uh, talking about like suffering and joy and how they are connected and intermixed, and of course, um, kind of this this artistic creative bent of like defying convention and being your own person and um, yeah, seeing seeing things in a way or drawing things in a way that other people like didn't have the perspective to and sticking, kind of sticking to who you are and being like, no, this is how I see the world. And I just was so, so energized and refreshed by this conversation and by Sean. He's just such a wonderful, wonderful human being. We talk about how design can make the world a better place and enhance the human experience. Sean uh, was almost 
a pro cyclist at one point too. Yeah. It's a path that he explored. We didn't really get into that. We got into that like pre and post pod. Yeah, next but conversation. I, but I think that'll be a podcast on its own in the totally, future. Totally. Uh, so he's you know moving things, whether that's in, in design or riding his bike or or what it may not be. He kind of approaches everything with a with a sense of aesthetic and, and brings a unique approach to his day to day. Yeah. And as always, it's just like a, a meaningful, uh, in-depth conversation, but also it was just so fun. Like it was just so much fun to, to hear him share and, you know, the laughs before and after and during and stuff just uh, yes. so good. And of course, Judy always just brings the, brings the level of intentionality. It just like ratchets up as we do some intentions and yeah. Judy Brooks. Man. Never enough words of uh, gratitude for Judy. She's, totally. she's an amazing human being and we're lucky to share a conversation and share a path with her. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, I guess there's nothing left to do, but like turn it over to Sean Carter. There we go. All right. All right. We're back with, um, our, our favorite co-host, our favorite former guest, Judy Brooks. Oh, Hey guys. So yeah. good to be here again. Judy. Thank you. Thank you. I Always. know. Dean, so good. Always good to have, have you. Have you not sick of us yet? Never, never. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Never. Yeah. I haven't driven out to Stevenson for so freaking long. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa. I feel, yeah, no, um, it's a privilege, honor. Thank you. Thank you both. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. And, and you brought a friend today, Judy. I did. I, um, I have with me today, Sean Carter. Sean? Hello, hello. <laughs> is this working? Yeah. This is working. Yeah. Welcome, Sean. Uh, do <laughs> you want me you. to tell you who, how Sean comes to sit here with yeah, us today? Yeah, tell, tell us. Yeah, the story of Sean. Um, Sean and I met um, as we were going to uh, to start to put into production this um, into creative production this thing called the artifact. This you know that we've sort of used over the last um, four times we've been together. And um, he's a creative director. He's a creative, uh, and he, and more importantly, he's an artist, which I think that he needs to own full on right now in oh. his life, in his world. Half artist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's blooming into a full artist. Um, yeah, and and so that's how we met. So he was the person we chose to work with as we started to bring to articulate this in um, in a physical form, and. Uh, and had a huge enjoyment. He has uh, a fellow he works with, Stuart, you know, and they were both a pleasure. And they both kind of got it because I don't think it's um, a regular project. So they kind of got it. And more importantly, they got me, which was super, um, I think it was significant to all of us um, when you're working on something. While this is a, a project of community, it did have somebody called Judy that curated it and brought it together. And I can remember in our first meeting, which was a non-meeting, is uh, I had them on Zoom and I walked them around my space and started just trying to say, this is kind of what I'm about. And, uh, and, and they got it. So that was wonderful. They got the sort of abstract and the practicality of it all. Um, and then Sean came within that sort of six weeks period, let's say a couple months, there was an opening for... Um, a space at Nemo Bay for one of the adventures. So not a full immersion, but an adventure in the Great Bear Rainforest where I'm actually heading tomorrow again. Um, yeah, with, you know, but deep in inquiry. And so most people that were coming, if not all the people, had spent time with me in immersion. So we all had a um, language and a capacity around 
sort of diving into deep conversation and and Sean hadn't but on the first they got in around three if memory serves me correct we you know sat on circle we sort of grounded a little bit of work that was going to um conversation that was going to happen over dinner and 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 when we got to that Sean um, stood up to answer the questions that had been put forth vis-a-vis the poetry that had been read and um, he told the story of him which I'm, I'm going to ask him um, to, to share with us his origin story and it was such a moment of high vulnerability and he did it so gracefully with a group of people that he hadn't met before save me and one other and um, and we were you know we were all changed in that moment and not only were we changed the service team that was um, working in Nemo Bay was changed. We were all changed. And and what I'm curious about as we walk through the story is, you know, how that then changed the direction or influenced the direction that he took the artifact in. And quickly after that, he came to immersion. Um, and, and like I kind of said to you guys earlier, he um, has become a really, really important part of my life. Um, as a person, regardless of whatever projects we do or don't do in the future. So, uh, yeah, so that's Sean and, and why I thought he was an important guest for me, why I thought he would bring such great value to the table is uh, this idea of we've, we started to talk a lot about source and creator. And I don't know, creativity is one of those things that I wonder, you know, when you're sort of imposing it on yourself and where you're just freaking channeling it from whatever you decide is, you know, source or creator. Mm-hmm. And I thought that conversation about creativity. So for me, there's a conversation if Sean chooses to have it around the process of this artifact and when it went for him. There's a conversation about his origin story because anybody who's listening, um, if you're not changed by that story, then you're um, not paying attention. <laughs> uh, there's a story, actually, that I referenced in an earlier um, pod around um, Sean's relationship with his daughter and w- how I how he told the story and my, um, my receipt of it as a man who stepped out of the way to let his daughter be in full expression without trying to feel like he had to manage that or control it or change it. So there's a story of daughter for me, of, well, not even a daughter, the story of Serene, you know? And then there is some, yeah, what else? Origin book, yeah, it's all. And I know for you guys, we're going to own it. There's the story of cycling. Yeah. <laughs> what Sean yeah. is sure. It's all connected. It's yeah. all connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. It all so, uh, so that's Sean and yeah. Well, let's get into it. Maybe we can can start with origins and mm. and Gina uh, and I will will listen and jump in and maybe ask some clarifying some, questions. some clarifying questions mm-hmm. with. No, you probably have clarity. a little cry because that's yeah, what we my, do. My, yeah. Oh, I'm an easy tear. You know, <laughs> a good commercial will get me. So. <laughs> I don't <laughs> see a box of tissue. <laughs> yeah, I usually have one with me, as you know. But. <laughs> should, we, should we get one? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. so Sean, you know, like maybe if I just reframe it, Please. there was a moment in Nemo where um, whatever we were reading led you to um, sharing where abandonment can come up for you and mm. and it you know and and to talk about that you started with being a kid so tell us about you as a kid 
Yeah, um, I'll start as a kid. I'm used to actually starting things talking about my professional uh, accreditations, which are minimal. So I'm happy to be talking about <laughs> being a kid. Um, yeah, so I, I think that uh, my origin story starts um, um, like many where uh, parents um, growing up in, actually growing, grew up in Vancouver, uh, in the seventies and, um, parents, uh, split up early, um, lived with, uh, my, my dad wasn't really around for the first eight to 10 years. Um, lived with my mom, my mom, uh, sort of newly single, married young, um, never, uh, really, um, never really experienced life much. And she got a ticket, uh, to disco and, um, and her life for many, many years um, uh, was uh, out Friday night. And um, uh, yeah, she would have a, have a glass of wine. Uh, we'd put on Disco Duck uh, and um, uh, someone would pick her up to take her to the dance. And we would, my brother and I counted the different, oh, years later, we, my brother and I, he's older, uh, counted the Hundred, we're, we say we have a text thread called products of 117. Those are the 117 different men that we either could call out by name or by what they drove um, that picked my mom up. And then my mom, if we were lucky, would have come back home Sunday evening. Um, and my brother and I would, and we lived in every six months we were moving. Um, so, you know, 52 years old. I'm uh, happy to say I've broken the one over one mode. So I've lived in 51 homes um, in my, and most of those were my first uh, 20 some odd years. But, um, but my brother and I would then spend the weekend um, sort of looking for food. Um, and we would um, try to entertain ourselves. We would, uh, we've got really, really actually quite adept at dumpster diving, um, for bottles, things that we could return. Um, and, uh, yeah. And we just, um, we just, we just, uh, we just survived. Mm. Um, and, uh, and it was always this sort of odd, odd, um, thing where my brother looked after me and I could see that he was. Um, struggling and so I did my best to look after him um, and um, yeah I mean I I don't know where to take it from there except that uh, you know I struggled in school um, uh, you know um, I, I actually really I think I'm an entrepreneur uh, at, as because I, I learned to negotiate how to make deals for people's snacks and their lunches um, you know, I, I didn't have much. I, I often, and this is before hot lunch programs and stuff. And, um, and we, we didn't, my brother and I didn't have much. And, um, my mom did the best she could, but it wasn't, I don't think it was enough. Um, and, um, and it, it, it uh, yeah, it was, it was fraught with, um, yeah, difficult times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, you, um, there's two stories that resonate from childhood, and I, I won't tell them because I may tell them incorrectly, but I'll give you, I'll sort of bring into remembrance, and if I, if I haven't done it well, then <clears throat> please correct. Um, and I'll tell you why they were important. The, the first one is the story of where you kind of your mom dropped you at your grandma's and you didn't come yeah. back for 
a year or two yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. picked you up. And, and I yeah. thought that was so important as, you know, a parent myself and now a, a grandparent that is pretty involved in, in those kids' life was this idea of like that, that imprint or that trauma of the moment when you mm. think your mom's just going to the store and, and she doesn't come back for a couple of years. And then you're maybe safe. Yeah. Like you're safe for a couple of years, even though you might miss your mom, you're safe because mm, you're with yeah. your grandma and your grandma makes you lunches and, you know, and, and then she picks you up. So that's the, the first one. So you yeah. correct me yeah. if I got it wrong. Yeah. Oh, no, it, it's it's mostly right. My mom did come every Sunday, though. My mom sort of came every Sunday, would have Sunday dinner, most Sundays uh, dinner at my grandma's. But but uh, and, and that sort of my, my mom dropped my brother and I to my grandmother's um, early days after the divorce. And so I spent... Uh, kindergarten and parts of grade one um, with uh, with my grandmother and I tell you to this day that was the godsend that was what that is uh, she taught me my grandmother gave me like the honestly my brother and I still talk about the lunches that my my grandmother I know this sounds like why am I talking about lunches but mm. like she like you know those big you had like you had those small lunch bags and then with the double size lunch bag my my grandmother would like two bags of chips there'd be like two sandwiches there'd be fruit there'd be he said and we would just still my brother and i still talk about these lunches that my grandmother would pack us and it was just like this feeling of being loved and but also my my grandmother was like tough as nails like like you couldn't i couldn't charm my way out of my grandmother's mm. uh like my my grandmother had a read on me um and and um and she was so loving in in such a firm firm uh way and and she taught me strength and and she didn't she didn't i mean i i don't want to say that she didn't allow me to cry but i i she didn't she didn't allow me to say that this is will beat me Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she didn't, allow it to define she, she didn't allow me to define yeah. me or my brother. It's funny when um, you talk about the lunches, I'm like, and you talk about that, I'm like, oh, this wisdom of this woman called your grandma who was like, I'm going to feed you enough because you might not get fed. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to let you see yourself for who you are, not for your circumstance. Yeah. You know, how beautiful yeah. is that? How yeah. And and the funny thing is is that my grandmother I I don't know how she recognized it but she um Woodward's dollar 49 day she, every every Tuesday every every I think first Tuesday of every every month was dollar 49 day at Woodward's and my grandmother would go and buy um 500 sheets of white paper um and I would burn through that in a week. <sighs> And so then she started buying four stacks of 500 pages of white paper. And I would just draw and draw mm. and draw. Yeah. And that, uh, she recognized very early on that that was my creative outlet. That's where I, like, just drawing and just um, being creative um, was was uh, sort of healing for me in some way. And mm. so that yeah. would remind me of the ages then about what, when we do So that? I was kindergarten, grade one. Yeah, yeah. So sort of yeah. five to seven or four to yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. And, and a good thing for those of us that are, you know, have kids in our lives now, children, is to go, oh, when is it like we actually sit in honoring of a moment when our child shows some sort of passion or creativity 
and we just allow them to be in that without trying to like it's so funny now because what would we do we'd send them to art classes we'd start like going we'd start to impose our cultivation yes, of what we totally. thought it should yes, look like totally. you know oh you sing yeah. okay i'm gonna send you to singing lessons you know so i, I thought that um yeah what was your grandma's yeah. name uh eva eva eva, yeah, eva. Yeah. and you know thank you and um yeah thank you eva mm-hmm. uh, for taking care of those two boys hey and uh and like you said that's probably when i because for me sean when sean told the story you know the story of like literally not having food and and going in to you know dumpsters to look for either something that I could eat or something you could sell to eat and so like let's be clear it's not just like I didn't get a meal, like, and I, I don't want to impose, but you guys were hungry. You were starving yeah. at times. Yeah. yeah. You know, it yeah. wasn't just like, oh, <laughs> I could have done with another sandwich. It's yeah. like I could have done with food. Yeah. And that's not to say, like, I, I want to be, you know, if, you know, uh, if my mom ever hears this, I, I want her to be clear that, yeah, there was meals. Like, we we didn't, we weren't, it wasn't, but but it wasn't often, and, and it, you know, it would be like, Stewed canned tomatoes. We'd, we'd, there'd be like three cans of stewed canned tomatoes in there, and uh, and sometimes it just, yeah. you know, or or my brother and I would eat soda crackers, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like it wasn't it wasn't good, but mostly we were just hungry. We were yeah. just hungry, and when yeah. I th- and you know we've talked about obviously we've talked about this with your mom and what I've heard you where you've gotten to, is you know being able to both be in humor around it, mm. and with the recognition of that it was somebody who also was in deep yeah, pain, she was. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah, she doing was. her best. And and, yeah. and and then I think the second story, and I think this kind of, uh, the reason this story was important to me was where is it we're not watching what's going on in our community? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that was like you and your brother waiting for the school to open super early, yeah. you know, so yeah. you could be warm. And and I think it was the janitor letting yeah. you in. So so I, th- I think that's really interesting um, because I do think there's people in our lives, my brothers in my lives, that saw what was happening. Um, and, um, yeah, I, the child services were never really involved. I, I'm shocked, actually. I'm really shocked about that. But there was one time where we had moved. We started a new school. Um, and it was after the Christmas break and, uh, my brother and, and it was like Monday and my mom hadn't come home from the weekend. And so my brother and I knew we had to get to school. Um, and so we, uh, got our clothes on and we woke up, got our clothes on and we went to school. It was like six in the morning. We didn't really know what time it started. This was for me. It was yeah, Chris, after leaving my grandmother's come to think of it after leaving my grandmother's we started a new school in North Delta. And um, it was after the Christmas break. And so my brother, hey, we got to start the new school. We go. It's, you know, what, January 3rd, 4th, 5th, something like that. And it's cold. It's frozen. Um, and we get out. And we, the school's doors are locked. We sit on the front stairs. The janitors hadn't even arrived. And we were sitting there for probably an hour or so. Janitor's first one on the scene sees us, wondering why we're sitting on the stairs you know, lovely, brings us inside, makes us a hot cup of tea, uh, gives us some blankets, and we sort of eventually get registered in the school. Um, and uh, and I don't know why that particular story sticks out for me, except, like, I'm surprised that, you know, that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and my brother and I literally, we talk about that, and it's like we laugh about it. It's just part of our, our story. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but that sort of changed for me when I had children. And, and I realized, like, how fucked up that actually is. And, and, um, and, uh, and, and having lived through that, I, I, like, there's, I have so much gratitude in, in, in so many ways of having that kind of childhood. I know, it's, I know that sounds odd, but I do because um, um, it's allowed me to, um, um, to to sort of live more appreciatively mm. um, now, and um, and it kind of gave me a sort of a and it forced me. I, I'm honestly like, I think I survived um, through optimism. I, I think, and I was born optimistic. I knew that whatever scenario was happening right now, it sucked, but I knew that tomorrow would be quite possibly better. Mm. Um, and I was hopeful. Like I, I just fixated on things that um, that sort of brought me joy. So I'd live in my head in the in a dream world a lot, and that was a very creative space for me. And that mm. that's what I was able to um, really harness. So. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, as you know, we've often said in, in immersion is without ever taking away the impact of those things that have happened to us that um, are not so good is if we can not live in the definition of them, but it still understand the reality of them. It actually gives us some magic powers, some magic abilities, magic capabilities for if, of nothing else but awareness. I mean, I think when you told me the janitor story, what really, um, you know, I, I sit in these stories, I, I have the privilege of sitting yeah. in so many conversations. And what I what it, I walk away and I go often like, what is it that I need to be reminded of? What do I remember to yeah. re- need to remember in that one? And it was I can put a whole bunch of reasons on why people might have seen you even been as children, as an adult, and even been horrified. And and who knows, maybe even some people did try and didn't know what to do mm-hmm. in the system to allow it. But that I, and I'm sure lots of us see something that happens. I sure I have seen things happen, felt uncomfortable with it, and not wanted to intrude, mm-hmm. you know? And so the the learning for me in that story was just, Will I forsake my own comfort mm. for other, mm. even if I'm wrong? Because I'd rather be wrong and be told to be wrong and be slightly embarrassed and maybe even whatever than the number of times that I could have been witnessing something that maybe needed more attention. So that mm. was her, that mm-hmm. was what resonated with me around that one. And I and mm. then I think of this janitor and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, again, where are we given the capability to even know what to do? Mm-hmm. in circumstances like that so yeah that's what um that's what resonated for me but thanks yeah yeah, yeah thank you for sharing that um you know, I'm, I'm grateful that uh you know you you made it through those those circumstances to to you know rise to where you are today and i've i just have a couple of questions from from mm-hmm. what you shared on a couple of themes really and and i just want to see what these these words kind of bring up for you um you touched on one and we can go deeper into it but the the first two are resilience and forgiveness mm. Mm. and I, i'm just curious what's um when i say those words like what resonates with you what it brings up because i feel as someone hearing the story for the first time i'm just like in awe of your resilience and mm. and curious about um forgiveness 
Yeah. In your story. Yeah. So, um, uh, let's talk about forgiveness first. Um, um, I think the resilience is, I think, I think the resilience was actually, I'll talk about that first. The resilience was earned by necessity. Um, and, and I, I, I'm not, um, I'm, I'm absolutely resilient and I'm, I'm conditioned, uh, now to be resilient. So, um, that was sort of a muscle that, uh, somehow, uh, <laughs> I developed young. And so it just had a necessity and I, and I, I appreciate that about myself now, but if there's one thing I'm trying to do is soften my resilience. Mm-hmm. If there's something I'm working on, it's, it's, um, maybe I don't always need to be resilient. <laughs> um, uh, and, um, so there's that and, and forgiveness, like I've, 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 I've never really carried, um, grudges or, um, I, I don't carry it with me because it's never really served me, but saying that, like saying that, like I, 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 um, and I, like, let's talk about like the, the sort of the elephant in the room. I really forgive my mom. Like mm-hmm. I do, like I, like I know, I know that she was hurting and doing the best that she could and had her own battle. And, and my brother and I weren't convenient for her. Uh, and weren't, wasn't, I think, I think there's a whole bunch of reasons why it didn't, wasn't right for her. And I know that she lives with a ton of regret about it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I don't really have much place for my mom now. And I forgive her, but I, I am, like, so many things, the more things change, the more they say the same. And, and there's sort of repeats. Like this is a, my relationship with her is like this repeating pattern that continues to resurface. And, and at, at a point where I, um, I forgive her enough to, and I, and I've forgiven myself enough to, mm. um, to not want to carry that weight. Mm. You, know? you know, the things that we talk about, you know, in conversation and immersions that come up to me when you say that are the last one is like, you've, um, let go of judgment and you're in mm-hmm. discernment about what works for you and your mm-hmm. life and what gives you where you're able to carry that energy you know sometimes we can be in biggest compassion when we're not in intimate relationship with you know mm-hmm. and then the other thing about the thriving and surviving or resiliency is that idea of like it doesn't have to be hard it might take effort mm-hmm. but it doesn't you mm-hmm. don't have to always slog it and and in fact, is like that idea of when I'm just in resiliency, um, am I able to thrive or am I still, you know, and it makes so much sense. You and I talk about this. Like, I still can't believe that you don't have a deeper relationship with armoring up her survival than you do because, mm. you know, you may have a little relationship with that, but you don't have a super My deep. hips are tight. Your hips are tight, dude. <laughs> I've seen that. My hips are tight. Tightest hips that walk into any room. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But yeah. yeah, no, I mean, so that really, where is it? Um, and I guess all of this has got to do is like, again, it not being in one binary, you know, it not being in one or the other, but understanding where when is it that we need to step into resiliency when is it we need to step into softness Mm -hmm. when is it that we can be in thriving when when is it clear that there is a survival not based on some old pattern or habit or history or or circumstance you know Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i really hear too like you know for most people resilience is something that they really want to cultivate 
or you know lean into and mm-hmm. and ha- have as something that's mm-hmm. like a trait of theirs i can be resilient or i am resilient and and it really struck me hearing you say like you know i could be less so mm-hmm. uh, you don't hear a lot of people use that type of language and i think it just speaks to the fact of like the resilience that you have is like a true resilience where some people might say oh i, I like I've tried really hard or I persevered through a difficult task and therefore I'm resilient. And it's this badge that we wear mm-hmm. when m- maybe it's like, n- like you did what you did and that's good. And you like made it through, but it's not the same as like uh, kind of a deeper resilience of like, no, this was like baked into my childhood experience for not to be over dramatic, but like survival, mm-hmm. right? Totally and like survival. Making, no option. There's yeah. no option. Yeah. And that's different than someone who has led a pretty comfortable life and has pushed themselves in something to experience that, but it's not out of necessity, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I really I really appreciate how you said like mm-hmm. there's the flip side of like becoming less so in certain yeah. areas of your life and i think that's the practice too is just of what do i what is again that thing of what is it that i can i know i am and i don't have to do it anymore i, I like it's innate in me it's so i don't have to be it i yes. am it and now what else could i so if i know that then what else can i lean into that might you know that might allow for uh, parts of me that have not been um you know covered up or held dormant you know Mm-hmm. Carl Jung, I think, you know, mm-hmm. second half of life is for all that that's laid dormant in the first half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. Something yeah. like that. Don't yeah. quote me. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Paraphrase. Yeah. Paraphrase. Quote yeah. Carl Jung, kind of. Yeah, Carl Jung slash Judy The other question, you kind of brought it up um, about fatherhood. Um, mm-hmm. One of our friends who's formerly on the pod, Gian Pablico, he talked about how um, this idea of, of the rock, and you know, we all, your your grandparents moved the rock so far and that, you know, brought, brought forth your parents and, you know, obviously your mom was only able to carry the rock so much in, in you know, whatever direction it was and then you became a parent. Um, so, you know, we were born with all of, all of this, uh, we bring these children into th- this world with all of this experience that we've had, whether it's trauma or privilege or, or whatnot. What was what was that experience for you, becoming a father, mm. um, having gone through? You I'm know, imagining they kept a lot of food in the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. What, yeah. Was it reflective, or was it just like in- intuitive, or like what was that experience when you went from the child to the parent? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think um, uh, it's an excellent question, and, and I'm flooded with um, um, different uh, competing thoughts here. So I think what I want to say is that um, entering parenthood, I, I didn't take lightly. Like I, um, I think if you were to ask me as a teen, I would have told you I'm not getting married and I'm not having children, mm-hmm. and if I do, I'll be 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I had only seen examples uh, in my life at the time because we lived like in really bad socioeconomic conditions. So like kind of like, you know, we weren't surrounded with a lot of like healthy, wealthy, um, um, sort of secure uh, uh, families and examples. And so I didn't see a, a lot of um, positive and happy sort of uh, 
examples for to lead me. There were actually families in the past that had actually sort of adopted me. Like my best friend's family would they'd see me and I'd all of a sudden be totally integrated. They did, I'd, I'd be over there every night for dinner, uh, regardless of my age in elementary school, even in high school. Like I, I had uh, some families that just totally adopted me. But my point is that I didn't, I didn't see myself becoming a father. But then in my, my um, early 20s, like, yeah, like it, it was calling to me. And I, I was um, in, in a marriage uh, that I, I was, um, I wasn't happily married, but I was really excited to be a dad. I want to say that. Um, and, um, and I, I was, I was also afraid to be a dad. And I, I had some fears about, like, even though I, I knew consciously that I was, I was, um, I think I'd be a good dad. I, I had fears like, what if this rock that you're talking about keeps getting passed down? Like, what if, like, my rock is actually quite similar to that that was passed to me? Mm-hmm. And 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 I I knew it wasn't, but I was afraid of it. Um, and and so I think I went in with a, a bit of extra caution around it. But my, when when my firstborn was was born, and and then my second two and a half years later, like. I just like the the abundance of love was just like I, I like I can't um, like it, it's just it, it, I I was a worried like do I have enough capacity to love uh, that my child will need and it was just in inher- like it was just bang it was there mm-hmm. it was like it was abstract when um, when um, my my former partner was like expecting it was sort of an abstract idea of what being a dad was going to be like but yeah so the love was there but I think for me it was um I think what I was hopeful to um to to do with both girls is to to lead them in ways that I thought felt my role of parenting was to make sure that they always knew that they're loved mm. um mm. and and that and that they're that I embrace their uniqueness, whatever that was going to be. Like I have this philosophy, like bring your uniqueness. Like whether that be in my client work, like like let's discover what makes you you. And um, so I was really excited to explore that with my kids because that was something that I sort of learned on my own. Um, and, and I think thirdly is that I, if my role as a parent is to, and I still believe this, is to raise my girls to a place where they were happy, successful adults, completely independent from me. And I learned that, you know, the strength of independence from the way I grew up. Like, right. like I think that has served me so well. I didn't want them to face that kind of adversity, mm. but, but I wanted them to absolutely be independent. So... It's funny when you talked about the love, about not knowing if you had capacity for the love and then this calling in your 20s, which is fairly early for, uh, uh, could be early for a male in particular, could be, is um, like what I heard was like, I wanted to explore the depths of love. Mm -hmm. it was really interesting for me is that for somebody who had an immense and intense experience as a youth, I've never seen you, I'm, I've seen you ha- have frustration with yourself, mm. but I've never mm-hmm. actually seen you not love yourself. Mm. And I think like when I think of mom, I think, oh, your mom couldn't, she didn't know how to love herself. So how can you, you yeah. know, and, and for some reason you did learn that. And, and then I think about your 
experienced with grandma and I'm like oh yeah Yeah. there was something in that of you know giving you a seed of of loving yourself even if it was vis-a-vis paper and a pen you know yeah yeah Um, yeah, so beautifully said though of that fear of you know, of bringing something forth that's like a c- kind of corrupted DNA, <laughs> you know, to have yeah. corrupted DNA. Oh, yeah, I was, I was afraid of that. But but it, I think it became very, very clear to me that, yeah, I'm not following. I'm not going to follow in no. my parents. But, and I didn't even, like, try and do the reverse method of that either. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't, like, go, I'm going to go the, yeah, like, the opposite <laughs> of. Like, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and overly dote <laughs> and overly feed and overly care yeah. for and overly sort of govern. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to do that either. Like, I... I um uh yeah and like I mean my 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 when I'm talking about my young daughters now they're 20 and 23 and and they 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 have their own places they have their own partners and they have their own lives and and uh I'm just so happy to like see that like I and experience it and like you know going for a craft beer with my eldest daughter like is the <laughs> best thing best. like it's so great <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and like she called me yesterday and said hey, dad i got some i need some career advice like my by the way serene never asked for advice like, <laughs> uh and i thought hey i could i could help you with that <laughs> i can't help yeah. you with much else yeah, i can no, help no, you with no, that no. <laughs> yeah. yeah if you want advice like yeah you want advice like take it for what it's worth but, yeah um yeah and i and i and like we have and, and funny enough like i, I think I think it w- I probably didn't raise them textbook. Like I, I might have like treated them more as like really intelligent, aware adults. Maybe before they were really intelligent, mature adults. Yeah. Um, but um, we had we from day early days we had meaningful conversations. Like I, um, and I, and I. And I, I think, and I believe, and I, I think you'd have to get them on the next episode to see if this is true or not. Yeah, fact um, check. Fact yeah. check. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, I, I believe that I, I treated them in as, as uh, as I would have wanted to be raised and, mm. and understood, and um, mm. and I didn't always understand them, um, but I certainly always made the effort to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It resonates so much. Like I have two, two daughters, right? So hearing, hearing your story, they're just, they're young, they're eight Mm -hmm. and six or almost six. But, um, just that, that intentionality into like, kind of like not parenting above them, but Mm -hmm. if you treat them a little bit older, speak to them, you know, with a air of like respect and dignity beyond their years, Mm -hmm. like it gives them the opportunity to rise to that. They can either step into it or you'll know. Yeah. 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 Right. But assuming that you need to. Yeah. Like letting them fail is such a gift. Like, so I remember, so before I had children, I was at Stanley park and I, I saw at, at, um, Lost Lagoon. This is, this really, this is like a, my pivotal parenting moment. I uh, saw so at Lost Lagoon, there was his mom uh, pushing a stroller, and the, the kid that would have normally been in the stroller was this toddler that had just started to walk. And it was sort of walking, like they, like stiff legs, and there's no like elbows or there's no knees. They're just all like like stiff. And this this kid started to run, and you knew this kid was going to be doing a face plant in a, in a just like – 
And this mom's going, go, 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 go. And, and this kid just falls flat on the street. Get up. Go, 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 go. And the kid gets up and, like, and starts running the game. And I, I thought, like, yes, like that is like, don't be afraid to fall, especially when you're only falling from like 16 inches. Yeah. Like, how much could that hurt? Yes. And, and I just like, ah, oh, like I, that just really resonated with yeah. me. And, um, and, and I, I think I, when I was thoughtful around it, I tried to take a similar approach mm-hmm. to the, the Raising the girls, yeah. Well, we've probably all seen it with kids, like our own or others, where, you know, they do that exact thing. They take a spill, yeah, and you know that they're not hurt, yeah. Right? Granted, sometimes kids are going to hurt, and they look around for like, what should I be doing now? They look to mom or dad or adult. Are they freaked out? How should I react? And if you cheer nine out of ten times, they pop up and they keep going. But if it's the big like, (gasps) then all of a sudden you see them be like, I guess I'm hurt. (laughs) And there's also that once where you cheer and you're like, yeah. oh, shoot, they broke their yeah. arm. <laughs> I've had that one. Yeah. I've been that. I've been that. Yeah. Yeah. You're but, okay. Yeah, oh, luckily oh, no, percentage wise. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's good yeah. Point. Play the odds, it's but good. it's so true because they they look to us for how to how to respond in those. And if we're true. cheering them on yeah. in failure, yeah, like that's huge, yeah, right? Because then it makes it okay to explore and fail and ergo grow, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, if you guys think it's timely, I, I'd love to go back to this moment with all this pen and paper and thank you for, to grandma and to, uh, you know, wherever you went for whatever department store you Woodward's, said. Woodward's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Downtown, yeah. the one downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it took the bus down. To, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, my grandma lived at first in Renfrew and, yeah. and yeah. So anyways, we were yeah. to Renfrew and then Hastings and... Woodward's in our uh, in Army Navy. There you go. That yeah. was oh yeah. yeah, that was my fun. Yeah. So your start to and when do you think that you understood that maybe that you had an ability around um, creativity and creativity? Right away. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like yeah. how did it? How did you acknowledge it in yourself besides being passionate um, about it? Do you, think? you know, like so. So I think first of all, like I was always the the kid in the class that you know I, I and I, I always like. Keep in mind that as most more most school years, I was in two two different schools. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I was always the new kid in the class. And the one thing I did to sort of get cred was I drew. Um, and I was like, I was always like the best drawer in the class. Mm-hmm. And but I always like I knew that, but it wasn't because I I just like from rote drawing. I just sort of I recognized like we so. We, we were asked, uh, remember this is in grade three, we were asked to draw a bicycle. Um, and this particular teacher, Mrs. Mew, hated me. Oh, hated, no, I, I know she did. I know you're looking at me funny, <laughs> Judy. Like, how do you know she hated you? But yeah, all the signs were there. Uh, yeah, all the signs were there. It's like written on the wall. Uh, oh yeah, she was not a fan. Um, and she asked us to draw a bicycle. And, and everyone, like if you can imagine a bicycle, everyone sort of had two circles and some triangle thing that kind of looked like a frame, some sort of sideways handlebars and some pedals. Um, but I drew it. Um, from the perspective of riding a bike. So there's a straight line for the wheel, there's a sort of bow-shaped handlebar, straight line for a frame, and this sort of funky thing that looked like a seat, um, and these pedals that were sort of offset, that were like blocks. And Miss Mew came over and said, that's not a bicycle. And, and, and everyone else was sort of drawing conventional bicycles. I said, no, that, and it's trying to be, that's a, that's a bicycle. And she said, that is not how you draw a bicycle. And I said, that's how I draw a bicycle. 
Um, and, and I, and I, and I remember knowing I was right. Um, and, and she'd asked me to redraw it. Um, and, and I, I redrew it the exact same way, but I drew it from the, like, underside of looking at the bicycle. You're like, so, let's see how much so, I can actually yeah. screw oh, yeah. you around. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I was, no, like, I I just refused to, mm. like, to, I like, super stubborn. Like, I was yeah. really, really stubborn. Um, and I, but I, but I also knew that I saw things differently then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've, I think that's one, I've always known that I, even like when I, even in my work now, like I know that I have to be very careful when I'm describing what I'm seeing because I have to use very specific language because not, I don't, not everyone sees the same way in my mind that everyone sees things. And so, right. so I just kind of knew early on that that was, that was I, I, I was creative that way. Well, I think one of the things that um, you really like surfaced for me in while we were doing this project together is that, you know, I, um, as you know, I really like beautiful things. I'm really into beauty. Uh, and while I think I appreciate detail, I don't think until this project I understood the amount of thought that goes like the detail mm-hmm. I what I see as detail is 10 layers deeper than the detail I see mm-hmm. and so um, in a second I'm going to hand you this artifact and I'm going to mm-hmm. get you to walk okay. through it mm-hmm. but um, yeah there was there were moments where you know your eye picks up and you know again you know I like to think I have an okay style sense but where your mind picks up that something's happening and then I listened to Sean and he had a whole story behind what was happening you know I just I'm looking at this now and you know I picked up even the the way that this um the cover of the kind of the bound part of the artifact is is that Sean had like all sorts of things of why it would be kind of landscape versus portrait. Like I was like, I just thought we liked the look of it, <laughs> you know, but there was all these things. And, and there's moments in this where, you know, I see two hands on a page and, and Sean saw, Sean had, there were 10 steps to get him to have those two. And I think now I have, um, you know, people in my life that are, are like you also into some, you know, fine art of some version. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, you know, right now a friend of mine's making frames and he's geeking, like he's geeking out. He spent probably 40 hours on the technology that will hold the framing together, which he thinks is as beautiful as the piece is creating. Mm-hmm. None of us will ever see it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know that because I yeah. watched that <laughs> with my friend Sean. So, um, yeah, can I hand you this? Yeah, and can yeah, you for sure. walk yeah. us through and, you know, sure. walk us through what you thought when you first yeah. were asked to do the project and how it, um, yeah. So, it's, yeah. It, I mean, I think that as I was sort of um, uh, my, I, I, I call him my lieutenant, but when Stuart had the first, uh, introduction, Judy, um, with you and Val. Uh, maybe it might have just been Val, and he told me that yeah, this, this is a project, this is a book project, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you know we you don't know much until you start to sort of do a discovery and you you start to sort of ask questions, um, and, and then really quickly, and I recognized that this wasn't a uh, this wasn't a a gig like many others. So, and we're, we live in the, like the, we function in the world of, of brand and identity. 
um, and visual identity, I should say, very specifically. And um, and um, this was different because, uh, be very very clear, this was this was a piece. We were no longer going to call it a book because a book didn't wasn't fitting. A, a book you read from, you know, from cover to cover, and you go sequentially. And and this was more about capturing a sense of. And by the way, this is what I was first hearing, and then I'll tell you what it really became. It was about sort of capturing emotional intelligence. It was capturing a community of stories and insights. And it was seemingly manifesting in poetry and in, and in, in, in sort of emotional thought and in art um, and in creative expression. And I thought, this is super interesting. And this is kind of right up. Like, I'm really keen to figure this out. Um, and, and it was sort of phrased in a way that, uh, that was around sort of personal growth. Um, so I'm immediately thinking, you know, good to great. I'm thinking the 80-20 rule. I'm thinking like all these classic crap. Oh, well, not crappy, but really important sort of, <laughs> you know. I'm thinking these are really important. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like, you know, um, self-help or really good lessons but but this was not that this is being very very clear this is like a this is this is going to be an art piece that captures the spirit of a community around emotional intelligence and around around growth um and under the curator of this which is judy and so i really quickly was able to figure out okay this is going to be a reflection of the way judy thinks lives and sees the world mm. um and let me understand that and i think our first meeting i said walk around like walk around your house like let me because i know that the way that we live is a is a really sort of especially for those that are um quite visual and in those that um you know, like you get a lot of cues with uh, the design language of the way someone lives. So Judy walked around the house and it just like this, like going through, like it was, it was walking with the computer and I, it was it was quite dizzying, um, showing different art pieces, some some really really cool neon, um, and uh, and and it it was like okay, I, I and I, I got this really natural sense of texture, um, but I also got like so many different layered stories. And so as we started to look at this not being a book and we're calling it an artifact, um, this, I just felt like I was, uh, this, this isn't about my ability to design, this is going to be my ability um, to, to, to not have my hands impact and, and over, overly influence the work of Judy in the community. Mm -hmm. So this was going to be a creative project where I sort of reveal it and not create it. Um, and, and so, you know, Judy to this day says, oh, people talk about how beautiful this is. You should be proud. And I think oh, you should be proud. The community should be proud. I just kind of like gave it some form and, and like, I feel it more as excavating than, mm. than making something like revealing it. And I um, mean, and all the cues were there. It was all in the languages that we spoke, the conversations we had, um, and, and reading, like, I mean, to be honest, there's many books of design that I haven't read cover to cover. Um, 
And, and this one, I, I continued to read things. And I, I, to this day, I still pick it up and read it. Um, and I, I see something new each time. And I, you know, like, I see something new each time. And, like, I, I was part of this. So it was super odd, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But then going through, going to Nemo Bay and spending time, I started to understand there's a deeper connection to nature um, in this work that Judy does and the community does. And that was something that I I didn't expect. And um, we did a forest walk barefoot in a, in a, in a, in a rain, great bear rainforest. And honestly, if you'd asked me six months before that, I'd say, oh, come on, why are you walking? Just wear some shoes, (laughs) you know? That's why we make shoes. but uh, I, yeah, the moss, the, yeah, I, I felt, I felt a stronger connection to the forest and I felt a stronger connection to the land and I felt a stronger connection to my own um, emotional considerations. And the fact that this is called consider is so, it's just like, it's a gateway. I think consider is a gateway to, once you start to consider, it opens you up to all the next learnings and yeah so I think for me it was like then I thought okay this needs to be imbued more with some natural context and natural um I I I threw in a couple poppy colors at some point and I just removed them uh at a certain Mm -hmm. point because I realized now this is like this has to it should feel like it's part of the earth and part of the art and part of the people that made it and um yeah. Okay. That's a long. That's a long no, answer. It was no. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, I also, like I said to you, he had to get me. He had to get Sean and and his team and, and Stuart. Poor Stuart. <laughs> Just was like, who is this woman <laughs> that keeps showing up on screen? And and has since been to immersion, so maybe gets it even more. But he's always so graceful. Is um. I like. I think, but you can please give me the feedback. Mm-hmm. Like I felt really open to what was, but I was really clear about what couldn't. Yes. Like lots of times there would be like, we need to make your name bigger. I'd be like, nope, oh, can't. Yeah. Oh. I mean, Sean, I think that they, at one point they're like, okay. But there was like lots of that conversation, but Sean never um, made me feel like my intuition or God on how this was of community. And, um, you know, and I was willing to put my name on it as somebody that, brought it together was so important and I thought yeah we did a lot of taking oh, so, off of it super funny because like <laughs> think, keep in mind that that 99% of the projects that our studio engages in like it's it's around sort of brand and positioning and so so to me like I come at this from the lens of that um, and it's like, Judy, like, this is your book. This is your piece. This is your, this, we've just created this, like, didn't it? Why wouldn't you want, like, why, why wouldn't it, like, why wouldn't your name be more prominent on the, on the cover? Like we, and, and, and Judy kept saying, and eventually you say something enough to me, eventually I'm going to listen. <laughs> um, and like, this isn't, it isn't about me. I'm, you know, like I'm a part of this and. I totally, and now it's so obvious. Like, it's so obvious now. Um, but keep in mind, every other project we engage with is make the logo bigger. Yeah. Right? It's it's like that. It's the entire, or it's like, can we give it more pop? Can we, like, you know, um, quietness and 
and stillness and um, gratitude doesn't always come out in 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 sort of design and brand language in the way that it was so obviously intent here. And and the other thing I want to say is that this piece was this is like there's no rhyme or reason in structure. In the it, it's all held together in with thread, um, but. It's supposed to be pick it up upside down and start reading from a different page. Read this that you read this again that you didn't see quite the same way, mm-hmm. and interact with it in a way that isn't chronological. Uh, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't a seven-step process. It's actually how we engage in our lives. What I see is sort of erratic, um, sometimes messy, sometimes irregular, and sometimes sporadic ways. Like we come at things. Um, sometimes without order and yet this is very orderly but not not in a linear way yeah so i i think this is it's a very hard project for me to describe to others um but yeah yeah on your website uh when you click consider the question comes up how do you design for personal reflection Mm -hmm. and i think what you just shared is is so perfect um stillness and and quietness and that's often the antithesis of design you want to pop you want to stand out but you talked about nature Mm -hmm. and those are things that we find in nature quietness Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the stillness Mm -hmm. and um the title of the book consider consider and the themes of contemplation you know in those in those ideas we find quietness and we find stillness and um, I just love that you connected that to design because I think we do find those things in nature, as I mentioned. But when we go to the grocery store or we go to a clothing store, it's it's not those things that stand out, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to to bring that forth and allow that to stand mm-hmm. on its own, I think mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. you know shows the beauty of of design and creativity to like find those solutions mm-hmm. and find those answers. Yeah. Oh, so go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah, well, it's interesting because this is the one of the rare instances where I was involved in a project where it wasn't in competition with this with another project, right? right? Or another another item mm-hmm. or another thing. This this could completely stand on its own. It's not like it's going to be you know, fighting in the New York Times bestseller list. It's, that's not the intent, right? And so the intent here is just to reflect it. And so that's, that's on level. Like, we always get wrapped up in sort of the competitive analysis of the competitive landscape. And, and it's like, it's always this sort of like, battleground that's got to be won, <laughs> you know? And, and, and you know, um, and, and there's, there's sort of this, um, this sort of, win uh, mentality in even if there's a gracefulness in the design that we create and and in even design for softness there's always a competitive edge mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. and this is not that you know and and this veers way more into a collection the, uh, to me it's almost like a collection like a gallery of artists and thinkers and and mm-hmm. and a community of people that are just um just considering and thinking and moving and and uh yeah so I love it's, it. yeah it's like you uh it's like you drew the bicycle from the top view totally mm. right yeah. and everybody expected or wants 
the side view and you're yeah. like no 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 this is a bicycle from the top view yeah it's true and even like managing the project was funny because Stuart who was uh, in this was acting as a project manager as well for this like he said okay so what's your next steps and so I was like I don't know like I like because we always have a next step there's always like a <laughs> yes. there's always a process and 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 Stuart would say like Sean I know you know what the next step is I I don't know what that is like what like and 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 uh, and also, I don't know. It feels fr- pretty obvious, but it feels obvious. Like it, it's not, it's not, it's not obvious, but it feels obvious. And so this was sort of led by God and feel and and um, yeah, and trust, and actually yeah. trust. And and honestly, like like um, Judy and her team put just total trust in us. And, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, maybe we can jam a little bit on creativity. Yeah. Because I think that's such an interesting, interesting thing. You know, some mm. people have it, some people desire it, some people have it, then lose it. Mm. Um, you know, there's. A but do you lose it, or do you just cover I, it up? I I have a strong opinion on this. Yeah, yes. Yes. And here it comes a cycling analogy. Okay. okay. And I want to get into cycling because <laughs> I know that happened before creative before your creative career. Yes. And I think there's yeah. now that I know your story of resilience, it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But one one thing, and I'll pass it off to you, like with creativity, with like, um, I remember reading, I went to art school as well, so I have like a a past in in thinking this way, and I I think I still see things differently, and we're talking about collective creativity and how ideas were happening, you know, hundreds of years ago, Mm. something would happen in Italy and something would happen in Africa, and it happened at the same time, Mm. and this idea of this collective consciousness and creativity and... Mm. And just, like, how do we tap into that? And where does it come mm-hmm. from? So it's always been this mystery to me. Like, when ideas come, I'm like, are these my ideas? Are they someone mm-hmm. else's ideas? What is the source of creativity? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just let's just jam on creativity as a whole. I just wanted to okay. drop some of my thoughts, and we can just kind of spiral. Love that. Love that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, what does so, creativity mean? Okay, well, yes, cre- yeah. creativity to me is... Brevity, like, right? What, what I, yeah, yeah, brevity, clarity. Yeah. <laughs> What's the other thing? Transparency. <laughs> you did well so far. So far, so good. Yeah. Um, what is creativity? What oh, is creativity it? is. I, I think it's for for me, and I, and 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 for me, it's expression of all these different moods and feelings and learnings and and experiences I've had, sort of coming together in one messy, knotted uh, thing that just is. I can't help but get out. Mm-hmm. Um, it for me, it's it's all around expression, and and. And keep in mind, like, I consider creativity and design different. Design is a discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, design is an exercise. Nice. Design, there's always intent. There's You're trying to solve something through design. And creativity is just this sort of magical place to me. It's... Um, it's, it's not inspiration, per se. It's not... It's not a... It's just it's just around us. It's like it, like we are just like living in a world of everyone else's footsteps that have impacted our lives, whether we care to see it or not. And whether from you know from those that we 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 quote <laughs> to those that might have just been you know here a hundred years ago that that built the brick building I was looking at that sort of slightly sort of, yeah, it's that one there, that's slightly sagging on the roof and it's just lovely. Um, and and painted the Steveston Drugs uh, sign in, in gorgeous typography probably 75 years ago. Um, but it's all around us and that, and the creativity is like by, 
um, it's just it's it's just there. It's like it's like a it's like a radio wave. That's what I see. And and you just sort of get into the radio wave and connect to it, or not. Mm. And um, does everybody have creativity in them? Whether I think everyone has access to it. I don't think what, everyone. What do you think covers it for them? What do you? What, where? Why do you think we get covered in our ability to access creativity? It, oh, well, I, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to answer your question with a question. And, yeah. and why do – I always find I have so many people, especially clients, say I'm not creative. That's not – that's not – it's sort of not my role. And I, I think that creativity it comes in all th- kinds of forms. Um, and like, like creative accounting. Right? Doesn't mean it's, you know. those are the people that are in jail. P.S. Well, <laughs> well within, the yeah. 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 Okay, within the rules, within the context, got you, got you, got you. you know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Just yeah. too creative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Creative hedge funds. Um, no, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I think I think that I think everyone's born um, uh, with the ability to create and express and. Oh God! This is so this is reminiscent of a conversation we had before about like we were talking about divinity, how we're all born so in divine, and then we walk through the world and you know we armor up against things or things happen within our life that we armor up. So I wonder, like, when you say about that creativity is and knowing, I mean, you told us a really intense and fairly extreme story of childhood but we all have these ideas of imprints for a moment when we hear whether or not it's even the truth that something we're doing means that we shouldn't anymore and i wonder that with kids of when they're in an expression that hasn't taken a form yet of design Mm. or singing or whatever and someone sort of tells them not Mm. like you said in your in that interaction with your teacher you're already like Mm -hmm. defiant enough to go i'm gonna no Mm -hmm. i'm gonna keep my own creativity Mm -hmm. it is not yours Mm -hmm. But when mm-hmm. I look at the school system, and no, uh, we have beautiful teachers, but I look at a system that's designed to actually get everybody going in a path. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder that, like divinity, do we are, divinity are we all born with creativity, and then we we have we either things are imposed on us if we're young, or we we give over to things as we get older mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. I mean, I kind of think that about fast fashion right now. Right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. what the frick? Yeah. Where it's. You know, we feel like it's creative over there, but really it, it is, you know, yeah. there's a singular source of creation and then we're like living outside of our own creativity. And copycat culture with yeah. fast fashion. Just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. You know, you see it at one store, you see it at a hundred stores. Let's talk about copycat in design uh, like mm-hmm. it's trends like just even like just trends oh like, this is the best conversation with okay. sean ever oh. what are your 10 worst design trends right now oh really yeah come you're on. asking me this yeah 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 oh, do you remember this at dinner we were all in hysterics at nemo oh, okay give us five okay. five okay well there probably be different answers totally than I, I, than I, I, I assumed before. that <laughs> okay so so i'm really 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 tired of these sort of uh, illustrations of people that are flat and vector and they're, they're sort of morphing like sort of marshmallows and they're multicolored and they're they're like um they're sort of sounds in, like nfts 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and there's a certain genre of illustration out there with like um, you know like a, what do you call those like uh, frond like leaves or like banana leaf banana plant leaves. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like the banana plant leaf motif. Like just enough of that. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Over. Yeah. And if I see millennial pink anymore, like oh, just please. Uh, agreed. Um, there there's there's an expressive uh, sort of humanist typography that that's really making it. And I know I look at I look at I. I, I live in type. Um, I judge a movie by the typography of its credits, right? So that's really fair. Yeah, yeah. it's not. I love it's that. not. But that's, I can't help myself. Yes. Um, I love typography people. By the way, that oh, was yeah. the true. most interesting. Oh, yeah, geeky, geeky, geeky. Um, but but there's just um, there's just sort of overexpression right now in 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 everyone's trying to look bespoke and small and in like startup. And in in San Fran tech, um, there's a certain genre that that I'm just really sick of, um, and it, it's it's ubiquitous, and as a result, is invisible now, mm. right? So it's so everywhere, it's uh, it's invisible, and it says the same language. It says, "Hey, I don't know anything about this company, but this company obviously probably uh, are progressive, woke, um, and they uh, care about everything." Um, and, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but they're trying to look that way. Right. Right. There, there's a certain aesthetic that, that mm-hmm. so the, the, some of the founding companies that were embedded in that, there's a look, uh, and now there's just sort of a copycat feel to that. And they may not be in, they, they may be a completely knockoff brand that's mass producing overseas and, but it looks that way. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So how do we move beyond, like, we live in this culture where we all Pinterest, pin everything, yeah. and we're looking at Instagram, and it's mm-hmm. very, like, looking at the other, wanting yeah. it for ourselves. So how do we move beyond trends and create things that are timeless? Oh, Million dollar question. The, no, oh, fantastic question, <laughs> yeah. but but it, it's a it's a case by case answer, yeah. right? Like, and I think that's, that you want to actually talk about bespoke. It's like, let's, figure out what is absolutely unique to you mm-hmm. and i guess that's uh, what and you let's do figure with, that out i guess yeah. that's what you did with judy and being like walk yeah. walk me through yeah. your house yeah, yeah. you and know when you said that the other thing that occurs to me is the idea of um you know i think we talked about it around this idea of cultivating wisdom if you just go around and collect others learnings mm-hmm. and that's all you do and you're spe- spitting up or speaking up as, as beautiful as they are then how is it that you can sit and assimilate the information that's come to you to decide what really is resonant for you, mm-hmm. not just in your thoughts, but in your like body and in your being and your life. And I kind of think that like, even when we were, I got, I did get some support from Jonathan Litchfield, but definitely most of that house was embedded in what I thought and continues to evolve. And I didn't look at a lot of things because yeah. I was afraid that <clears throat> I would just emulate something that I thought was cool. So it sounds like embodiment versus... Yeah, that, like, what... You, you just completely, actually, just did a master class in brand right there, Judy. Um, and, and really, like, um, like I, I was at your place on the weekend, and, and I, I just couldn't... I, this is kind of an odd thing to say to someone, but I said, Judy, like, you have fantastic taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I say that not because... Um, I like everything that she selected. That would suggest that I have good taste and her taste. Like with my <laughs> yeah, taste. Right. But I, but I, I say it because like 
so Judy. You walk in her house. It is absolutely Judy. Um, and, and everything I know about Judy as a person, as a being, uh, and the conversations we've held, the space she's ho- held for me, like um, her home is a physical manifestation of, if I was to design a home that was Judy, I, that, that's, that's how it would feel. Um, and so, so when, you, when you sort of, and so when you think about um, all the decisions you made and all the, all the personal thought you went into that, um, that's, that's personal. That's you. Mm. And that, that's not, and I couldn't think of a house that I've ever been into that feels and looks like Judy's. That's unique to her. Um, and so, and so the same thing goes with brand. What is, what is unique to the organization that what makes you special? What is real? What is the truth? Um, and when, then what does that look like? What does that feel like? What does that sound like? It's so interesting too, because that whether it's in clothes or interior design, I mean, and, and by the way, it's also lovely to share with people if they like something, you know, to go where they get that. But I'm when people ask me like, where'd you get that or where'd you get that or whatever, I'm always like, why would you want what I have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, get, where's the inspiration for that? And and vice versa. Like when I look at someone and I'm like, oh my god, I love the way they look. I try not to think then I need to look like that too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I try to go. Oh, that's them. What is it inspiring inside of me? What feeling then can I take and can I elicit that feeling with whatever it is that I choose for me, totally. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's like the feeling, but to your point, I mean, and like I, well done Ikea for doing what they've done, but it's like even that thing of they show you exactly what to do, that doesn't leave any space to. <laughs> and, and sometimes when you feel like when you're in laziness, it's like so easy because you're like, oh God, I will have a look that is, you know, clean and beautiful or whatever. I don't have to think about it. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, where does that like, you know, where does that um, start to cultivate or to work a muscle of our own creativity. And once we start to take creativity out of this, do we also start to take creativity in terms of options of decisions and behaviors out of our life? Yeah. You know, where is that that we kind of, I think that um, I just was thinking, because I, 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 so the gift of all of this was that somebody, like I said, he got me. And mm-hmm. also there was an allowance and appreciation. And I think the trust was 100% mutual. But I can remember walking through, um, going down into sort of the downstairs room, which is, you know, very much set up for to hold space for team immersions and groups and um, yoga when we need to do that as part of it. And it has a certain look. And then as we came up to you know, it has a different look. And I said, Sean was like, they're very different. And I was like, downstairs is mushrooms, upstairs is vodka. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, but where is it that you have an allowance for every part of your life that's meaningful? You know, whereas it doesn't go from, there. there's um, both um, a flow, but also um, an ability to say, that's cool and kind of different than that mm-hmm. over there. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that that's what, really good brands I talk about brands being congruent yeah I think there's a congruency and the congruency doesn't mean the same yeah everyone says consistency and I say fuck consistency I'm I don't know if I'm allowed to swear I just did no we cut this out you're with me (laughs) you know yeah like honestly don't look for brand consistency look for 
look for unexpectedness mm. and look look for like uniqueness. So, um, in 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 like people, if if they, if you turn the page of this book and you you've gone through say six or seven spreads, and you're immediately your minds are so smart, you're going to interpret and and predict what's next. And you've designed it in a way on a grid, or if you design it in a way, and this is brand, this is anything in life. If you design it in a way where it's predictable, you'll predict it. The next time, the next page, you predict that pretty close, you stop looking. Yeah. Because your no is no longer holding your attention. And so, like, like Judy, she's wearing this incredibly, no one can see this right now. <laughs> she's wearing this incredibly bright fluorescent red toque. It's fantastic. And it's totally not going with her sweater and her necklace <laughs> in all the right ways. Yes, right? In yes. all the right ways. And so, like, like, if you're to use an analogy where, like, you don't want to have a matching sofa and love seat with a coordinated coffee table um, and the lamp that just goes perfectly with that, because where's the fun in that? Yeah. Like, like, there's no fun in that. There's no... There's no experience in that. And so when you say that you 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 look inside your like you mentioned Pinterest. That's looking externally for inspiration. That's looking like, hey, here's all these things that all these others are doing. Um, here's all the really neat ideas. Um, which one does it work with me? But I would say no, just look inside. What feels right? What mm. if you were a color, yeah. what color would you be? Stupid question. But if you were a color, what color right. would you be? Yeah. yeah. And 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 if you were a feeling, if you were a material, are you wool? Are you lycra? Like what do you feel like? And let's talk about that. Please don't be fleece. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah, mm. <laughs> the world. Yeah. But also the the thing that has occurred to me too is if I look back toward in my life over this space that I have lived in and created and co-created with whoever I was living with at the time is they are not all the same. No. They allow for me to experience where I am now. Mm -hmm, yeah. And, you know, I have a feeling if we did this 15 years from now, maybe even five, there may be other essences that come forth. Guaranteed. And I think that thing of, you know, where people go, well, I might, you know, I've, you know, the space, I believe space is reflective. I believe space is reflective. I believe food is reflective. I believe that, you know, yeah, what we what we inhabit with, what we decide to interact with every day is meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. You know, it's meaningful. It, and, and whatever you define beauty as, so for me, sometimes beauty in my own home is a lot of order because it actually allows me to get into messiness everywhere else and in in the world it, i don't always love that symmetric well my husband's symmetrical but that beauty of like you know i love the messiness the grittiness you know when you go to a new city mm -hmm. and there's like the beautiful streets and then there's kind of the gritty streets like i'm often tor like torn towards that that grit to go like what's happening what's the feeling you know yeah. And so, yeah, I think that that's such a beautiful way to go. If you're going to put forth something, don't just go out and look. Start to yeah. go what, What's go look internal? out and yeah. go what, what yeah. moves me. Yeah. I've gone from like heavy into like, you know, kind of vintagey things to oh, I need more like light and air and things. Yeah. And I don't even know where I'll end up next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, that, that's a fun thing. Yeah. It's the exploration, right? Yeah. Of like self. Really? Self. Yeah. yeah. You're just yeah. exploring self through another medium. So you can't, I don't know, can you really be exploring yourself through, you know, reading uh, Pema Chodron, who is, you know, a fave for sure, and then like just be 
only buying your fashion at the same store and only what like I actually get overwhelmed at stores that have sameness mm-hmm. even though they're beautifully done we have some beautifully mm-hmm. done stores that are big bigger here bigger retail stores and I go in and I can't even look because I'm I have no room for me in that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you yeah. know and then mm-hmm. I see someone wearing it. I'm like, but that is really cute on you. <laughs> but you know, like, so I think that's it. Of, yeah. I love that idea. So cultivating creativity. Mm-hmm. So one of yeah. your things perhaps is to start to go on feelings as opposed to on external. Oh, yeah. What yeah. else? What else? Do you- well, um, I mean, um, I, by the way, I've always, uh, I, so I used to teach for about a decade. And um, I, I, uh, I realize that so when you think about design as a discipline, um, uh, I can teach a discipline, right? I can. Um, I can. I can. I can teach how to build something. I can teach a process, mm. but I can't. I what I can't teach, what I wasn't able to teach, um, was how how you sort of arrive at at creativity. Like I, I can't answer it. It's such a wonderful question, but I, I actually can't answer it, it, it's so um it's so abstract um and, and i and i i and i thought i've thought a lot about it. it's not like i've never thought about it i've thought a lot about how i access creativity but i feel like it is it's a practice um i feel and so here's the cycling analogy um so uh top pros apparently on their off days, they've got such big engines that they will ride four hours, a four-hour cool-down ride just to keep their engine because they, they just got to burn, right? Um, and I've been doing this all my life and, and accessing a sort of creative thought. I just live in that space. And I... Mm-hmm. That is, it's omnipresent for me. And I, I, everything I interact with, including this podcast, is a, sort of a creative, creative opportunity, is a creative expression. And, um, and it's sort of this, and I, and I, and I, I think for me, creativity is around receiving. It's around, not me giving, it's around receiving and learning and openness and, um, sort of observing and listening and, and wondering and, being curious and sort of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that, well, that make sense? Yeah. One, yeah. one thing you said there, I was just recently listening to um, a Mary Oliver uh, interview on, on being with Krista Tippett. And I haven't, I never, I read so much of her poetry, but I've never listened to her being interviewed. And she talked about creativity as a practice, just like you mentioned. And mm-hmm. she said she always leaves, possibility for spontaneity spontaneity and and for inspiration to just strike but her her secret sauce was practice Mm -hmm. she wrote poetry every single day Mm -hmm. and through that practice she was allowed to she was able to be a vessel for possibility Mm -hmm. so i was wondering if you could touch on creativity as a practice okay yeah fantastic so yeah i spend i spend my my my, my professional hours in the practice of design. Um, but when I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm, um, I'm literally, uh, painting. Um, I, I've made coffee tables paint with back painted glass. It's odd, but it's kind of neat. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, I create things just to recreate them. Um, 
I'm I'm constant. I'm fascinated with like um, design. Like, my discipline in my career is in is in graphic design and and, and branding, but. Like I dabble in architecture. Um, I, you know, I'm not an architect. I'm gonna be super clear. I'm an, I'm an enthusiast. Yes. I'm not claiming no one's gonna come to me to design their house. But I have designed three other houses, um, and and built well, built two of them. The pandemic sort of ruined the plans for the third house, but that's okay. Um, and and I, I'm always designing the space that I'm in. Um, I'm always moving things around. I'm always uh, taking this out and putting something new in and I don't always just reshuffle it sometimes I just um I'm 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 always conceiving of ideas and even like entrepreneurial ideas that I just don't even execute on I don't even care like I I've come up with so many different interesting business plans in my opinion that I just don't execute I just like the exercise of making right mm. um and I just like the exercise of doing and expressing and and creating and I've like honestly like I've probably have 80 paintings uh that I've created my house is filled with them it's kind of like a kind of like a gallery um and I collect other paintings too it's not just I'm not that self-centered but mine are, mine are cheaper really cheap right now yeah they're really cheaper now there's a sale going on, on the in, Shopify in site after house. we finish that's <laughs> right show notes we'll put it in the show notes <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. so just just a follow-up question on that do you, th- do you think creativity requires structure yeah yeah it requires Order, structure and structure, practice space yeah. you need you absolutely need uh, structure, you need order. This is where design comes in, right? You need to design the environment of which you can, or the constraints for which you can be creative in. Um, just going out and say, hey, be creative with anything, anywhere, any, at any, that's just, like, that's just odd. It's like, not, it's, it's not helpful. No. Yeah, it's not helpful. When I look yeah. at through like preferential thinking styles, that's yeah. what people who are really, really conceptual. I think they sometimes don't give, um, you know, proper appreciation for that, for their conceptual, their concepts, their big meaty ideas to actually come to fruition. Mm -hmm. They need people behind them. Either they need to learn or they need people behind them for structure. And I think that when I'm holding space, I'm like, it's a tight container that allows for everything to go wrong you know mm. but also um i love i when now right now when you're talking about creativity and the cultivation of it um if you're practicing of something i you want to write then you need to write and you need mm-hmm. to write every day and at a time usually everyone i same with painting i've heard <clears throat> all the best painters say i put aside my time for painting mm-hmm. even if i didn't paint i would sit there mm-hmm. you know to wait for it to come but really i guess the practice is expression of mm-hmm. Whatever the medium, mm-hmm. how is it your, is it, you know, and how many times can you do that in a day through different mm-hmm. mediums? Can you do it through food? Can you do it through what you're wearing? Can you do it through, you know, what hat you're wearing? Can you do it through what you move around in your space? Mm-hmm. Like full, beautiful expression of whatever's, you know, resonating and coming up for you yeah. is, that would be yeah. like, I often say when people are having, when they're like stuck on a problem, I'm like, move your environment. And, you know, if you have access to outdoors, that's beautiful. But I've said quite often to people that are more downtown people, I'm like, go to the museum. Don't don't even walk around. Just sit in there to have your meeting on that bench quietly or to mm-hmm. think. It will change. You will come mm-hmm. up with more options. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, yeah, expression. Yeah, expression. Yeah. 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 I wish I could sing. I wish that was an expression, mm. but it's not. Practice <laughs> yeah. every day. I'm trying. <laughs> when Devin was little, um, 
about five, I was thinking, and she said to me, a five. Yeah, you probably don't need to do that. <laughs> so there was my moment where like I still can, I, and it was funny and all that, but I can still feel yeah. that somebody acknowledged that I wasn't very yeah. good at someone <laughs> that was five. <laughs> you know, so yeah, where is your, where is your expression? of self or do is it you express your 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 in your essence for for myself i mean in my current where i am currently movement i I need movement Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. like you said move move your space like Mm -hmm. i need to run or ride my bike or Mm -hmm. go for a walk that's where space happens and that's where creativity happens Mm -hmm. if i'm sitting or i'm stagnant then i express myself in a stagnant kind of Mm less interesting version of myself what about for you dean yeah i think at this stage of life very similarly like we do a lot of that together Mm -hmm. and it's just been such a gift to be able to see the benefit of the ideas like even as you were speaking earlier about like your kind of entrepreneurial pursuits that Mm -hmm. you know are just because like zach and i have you know, in our minds somewhere, like there, it's a t-shirt company and we'll be running along. Oh, that would be great. And you know, whether or not it ever actually manifests, mm-hmm. but like we just have, we're creating all the time stuff mm-hmm. and it's based out of ideas. But I'd say the other, the other outlet for me is, and always has been music, Yeah, like mm-hmm. creating it, mm-hmm. playing it, playing listening it. to it, whatever it is, but just something magic happens when I have my hands on a guitar or piano or something. And there's just, it's funny when you said that about, um, you know, it doesn't matter if it happens. I actually think it's important it doesn't happen a lot. I think that that's one of the ways that we've eked creativity out is to think that everything that we think about is in fact should be, or, you know, should be done. Yes. Mm-hmm. And because then we're always, we're, we think we have a creative thought and then we're moving it into model. Mm-hmm. And what's the thing of just having lots of ideas and being able to express them and go, isn't that fun without trying to move it along? I think I, you know, in the world of entrepreneurialism, of which I'm pretty heavily involved still, is that's sometimes I think you're eking the creativity out of yourself by actually trying to business model this Mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. What about ideas that don't even have to, they're not even a business. I would love to make t-shirts. It doesn't even have to have a, you know, not even have a business that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think what about that practice of being able to share with others, not through the frame of an idea, so much of an expression of. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. post-capitalism, right there, Judy. I know. You know, I'm on the train right <laughs> yeah. now. You know, and it's alive for me right now. Yeah, yeah. and I still like nice things. Yeah. <laughs> I want both things. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I even that for me right now is this um, consideration, this pushing around what is, you know, how is it that we impact the socioeconomic models that are happening? How is it that we impact um, the, you know, the the old systems of um, of non-diversity is I I don't think that I should always necessarily think I have an answer but I I hope that I'm in continual expression of what's alive for me and what I'm you know privileged to hear about and spend time in um yeah I think that's it you know we go to solutions instead of Mm -hmm. options instead of like inviting in we go to enforcing Mm -hmm. um and I think that yeah, for me, creativity has always happened when I'm not imposing an outcome on it. Uh, you talked about that with this. I mean, mm-hmm. there was, I remember Stuart being so confused. What's the mm-hmm. outcome? And me like, it's just an expression. It's not even an expression of me. It's an expression of all of those that have, you know, honored me. 
mm-hmm. with the with allowing me to sit with them in a moment in time. And what about that? When is and and mm-hmm. I actually struggle with that occasionally, where I feel like was it because it, it's a privilege to be able to do that, mm-hmm. and is it um, is this particular expression? Was, was I deserve it of even being able to put it together? And the only way I could even start was by not making it at all about me, mm-hmm. you know, because otherwise it was just so freaking overwhelming. Yeah. Mm. Well, I've got some more creative questions on creativity. Yeah, do it. And then maybe we can play a little with some considerations and yeah. contemplations. Yeah. Um, okay, one thing that we kind of touched on earlier um, when I said you know, some people have creativity and then they lose it. You mm-hmm. said you had uh, thoughts on that? Was it that part? Or was it something that else? you yeah, were wrong. <laughs> I, I, well, my, my thoughts were that I, I think we all have it. Yes. Um, we all have it. And I would say they haven't lost it. I think they've just misplaced it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and, and, and or they just haven't, they haven't tried. Right. Yeah. And, and I know it's awkward, um, but, um, but I, I, I do believe like everyone has, uh, create. Everyone has the the potential and the creativity in them, and and are able to access. And by the by the and when I'm speaking, like I know there's like some some instances where expressing yourself creatively is just way down mm-hmm. the 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 on the needs list, right? So I I want to sort of acknowledge that and be grateful that I can talk about that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if people have it, they've, they're born with it. It's just re, just refamiliarizing themselves, and 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 people like like I can say that I can't sing, right? Because I can't sing. I can't like I can't. And no matter how much time I spend learning the craft of singing, at best, I you might be able to listen to me, right? <laughs> at best, never making a. Uh, but but with creativity, that's such a broad, mm. um, broad space that can manifest in a million different ways for individuals. So you don't have to be universally creative, like someone that walks in, oh, that person's creative. <laughs> um, look at them. Um, it can be like, I'm really creative in expressing myself in this way, whatever that is. Yeah. It might be through, might be through numbers. It might be through um math i i don't know like but creativity is just a it's a mind like just breaking out of um convention Mm. breaking out of expectations breaking out of the way that everyone else is supposed to do it and just looking at it differently that's what creativity can be and everyone has that option that are like i said and in you know um so i i just think that uh, sort of a cop out to say I'm not creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I it's agree. probably more of like uh, a repetition of something you've heard too, right? From people saying, yes. oh, "Well, here, you know, this person, this person here, and their output is they're super creative." And then you look at yourself and go, "Well, like I can't do that, or I'm not doing that, so therefore, like I'm not creative." And it's more. I also think there's a lot of um, like we've made creativity often like a synonym for artist or art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, well, I can't draw. I'm not very right. creative. It's like, right. well, no. Like there's, right. like you had said, yeah. there's so many ways right. in which we can yeah. express our Agreed. creativity. Totally. Expression. That's what I, I that lets yeah. you, like that would be a good thing f- even for our kids. Yeah. Not to say 
creative, but rather go what what ex, you know what's that expression of that? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think that that is um, yeah I think we are narrowing the label of it, and even when we say like creative you know in numbers or whatever, it, it doesn't resonate with the same truth of like I can draw. Yeah, I can paint. Yeah, yeah. You know? oh, I think it does because I can't. I do know that. you do, and, and I think it's because like- you're obviously creative you're linked <laughs> to creativity that's what you do for a living well, but that, if you're not how is it that you express that but isn't that important if someone that you've just labeled creative says that i see creative in ways that others don't like meaning like i like um i see uh creativity at, in fellow by the name of vano he's a accountant genius um He's so creative, and yet he would say he's not creative, right? right? Yes. And, but who whose opinion are we going to judge? His version or my version? If I'm the creative, <laughs> okay, okay, you win. Fair, you win. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So I just had to win something. I know there. you did such a good job at that. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Oh well. Wow. Okay. You got it. Point okay, I'm, I'm, I'm now shrinking. <laughs> yeah. No, I I just oh, such a great discussion though, and it always right now reflects back on to me of how is it that we're going to impact the people that are coming you know the kids yeah how is it because that's really you know Mm -hmm. we said before we do this work so our kids don't have Mm -hmm. to and and all this consideration of how we buy and how we Mm -hmm. choose and uh, what we you know even our own expressions as we walk into adulthood, I'm sure there's going to be times my grandchildren are just going to be like, oh my God. Like right now they think I'm cool. I'm sure at some point they're going to be like, do you know about my grandma? But where is it that we let that be okay? Yeah. Well, I I love what you said earlier, Judy, too, about how, you know, you create space for people, Mm -hmm. right? And like, that's a creative act. And so just thinking immediately, like to the people that we are responsible for bringing up in the world or even just friends or people that are dear to us like what are ways that we could say hey I want to express my creativity in holding a space for you or creating an area for you to explore your expression mm-hmm. right and so especially with kids whether it's like the dollar 49 pack of paper that turned mm-hmm. into four packs of paper like that was a, mm-hmm. that was your grandmother's like creative expression for you almost like because mm-hmm. she created that space mm-hmm. and gave you that it. avenue and so it, yeah. yeah and it comes back to something you said earlier too where it's like we're paying attention we're the janitor like who looks out and says oh there's two kids on the door like i'm going to open the door and like here's some tea and here's a blanket i don't really know what to do but but i'm going to do something i'm going to do something yeah. i'm yeah, going to make a my, space i'm going to make a space mm-hmm. so maybe that's the maybe that's yeah. the like the if we if we need it we don't but if we needed some sort of like so what mm-hmm. like maybe it's just the the most creative act is like creating space. I think I said that too, um, maybe here, maybe not about, um, you know, the work I did with smart sweets with the, the, you know, kick sugar, um, candy company is, um, and Tara at the time was 22 and her creativity in terms of, her expression of what she thought was important that turned into this candy thing with no ability, like no, should never have happened. Mm. I found that inspiring and I continue to, and I watch even now she's had a kid and, you know, she's in a moment of a different phase, but I, I see that her head can't help but 
be like I see it blow open when something when she reads something in the world that she thinks is cool and she'll phone me she'll go did you know you know so and I'm like wow so it was that she taught me that allowance of looking at um company a company and going we're not gonna we're gonna help um, we're gonna put some guideposts in but we are not gonna frame this in what has mm. been right you know yes mm-hmm. yeah what, what what the heck do I know yeah you know. Well, and then you're often setting up not something creative, but like an emulation of yeah, no, like, in, no innovation, yeah. and that's what mm-hmm. I think at the boardroom table. Why are we having conversations about all the things that were? Let's take the wisdom of that, but let's not impose it as a process or you know or other, because in that there's no, no, there's no learning. There is no di- different than mm-hmm. you know, despite what brand name we put on it, it's just just the same. Oh yeah, most most brands always sort of start from a place of of safety in in offending no one and not taking enough risks um and and um rather than asking what is possible Mm -hmm. you know what like what can we do and yeah what is our truth and and it's like there's a fear in corporately my experience that's why i'm really I, we really love working with small and mid-sized businesses mm-hmm. because the boardroom table, um, my experience of committees, um, uh, they, uh, they're, they're, they're more in a protectionary role than an mm-hmm. expressive role. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's, um, and, 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 and for reasons that they're smarter than me at that table. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there's a million good reasons for that, but I, I definitely love a, a daringness in clients that, that like to express that and like re- to yeah, find that. We're not afraid you know? yet. Yeah. yeah, that's why. Um, I know we're going to do one piece, but maybe we'll do yeah. the contemplation from this week instead. But can I just tell you one th- funny thing? On the back of this, you know, of this artifact, of this consider, there is, um, I'm, I'm telling those of you that are listening and not in the room with the four of us, is there's a picture um, of somebody fully immersed, which happens to be my daughter. And she's fully immersed in water wearing a dress. And the other day, my granddaughter was, she turned this over, and Devin was sitting, her, her mom was sitting right beside her. She looked at me, and she looked down. She looked at her mom, she looked down, and then father, she said, and she was quite puzzled. She goes, did you get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> and she was a little bit worried. Yeah. And Devin said, I, I did, I'm right here. I got out of there. And she's like, she's like, you got out of here. And I was like, what is going on in that kid's brain right now? You know, I thought that was a good one. It was a beautiful (laughs) moment. Um, How do you guys feel about, I know it's a little ad lib, but how do you feel about um, maybe a little reflection on something that was kind of sent out this week, a contemplation? Strip. Yeah, Yeah. let's do it. Um, And so once a month, actually once a month, these contemplations come out that... It's a piece of poetry, and underneath there's a little bit of um, a, a consideration or reflection on it. And this was um, a David White one. I've been sort of going broader and broader in terms of the diversities, but this one just landed for me for a bunch of reasons, of which we'll talk about later. Um, for me, this is about honoring, because I'm wondering about that right now in the world. Yeah, and it's called The Boundaries of Personal Powers. When we are young... We imagine that we are doing everything ourselves. We have our work because we deserve it. We believe that we generate our own opportunities, our own luck, our own unstoppable bodies. There must be something to this. We intuit 
that our fate varies according to those powers of attention which we bring to the frontiers of our young lives. But as we grow older, we grow wiser as to the extent of those powers. There is another more profound way in which we are dependent not only in invisible ways on the inheritance of those, but literally and physically on what we have been given by those who have gone before us. And so I, I, yeah, I mean, I just thought there's so much in that and, and this was what was written on. Pause when you deserve something, when you feel like you deserve something or have to stake your value in the world, it may be a signal. Take a breath. Get quiet and ask yourself, who has helped you along the way? What access information and opportunities have you been given by others who have come before you? To cultivate wisdom, first acknowledge and honor the power of privilege. Forgetting that there are others who came before you whose work, wisdom, guidance, and support were a catalyst does not serve you or the world. Narratives about independence and resiliency don't allow for the recognition of others' impact on you. What might be missing from that story you tell about where you are and how you got there? What might be missing from the story you tell about where you are and how you got there? Acknowledge all that has allowed you and catalyzed your success. What might you have a resistance to that? Honoring or giving credit for the support you receive does not diminish your own value. We all have value. Another deep consideration to honor the humanity of all. We don't do anything alone and our successes are connected to the support we have been given along the way. What, might, what more might be possible in acknowledging that in our hearts and in the world? Um, there was uh, a moment that I, so often in the world of business and even in as we're growing, and when they said young here, I don't take that as, a, as an age, you know. We're at different levels of all things throughout our, our tenure in the world. But is why is it so difficult for us to really just sit with, you know, head bowed, hands clasped to say thank you, thank you, thank you to those that have given us an, you know, an opportunity big or small to be more graceful in the world, to achieve in the world without feeling like it means less about us. Mm-hmm. And uh I may have told this story here before, but there was a restaurant called West on South Granville. And there was a bartender there that was like, you know, like a bar, like he was really well known and all around the world. And he left. And on the bar menu, they put a drink in his honor and talked about how he was foundational um, to their success. And when I asked, oh, you know, as he left, they were like, oh, he's at another restaurant. And they didn't even hesitate to give me the name of the other restaurant and the last few months in particular i mean i hope i'm in the practice of gratitude and honoring um but i think even the one of the last times i was here this woman came up for me barb crompton who um you know years years ago now 30 years ago or something ridiculous more 35 years ago she was, you know, entrepreneurial before her time. She understood brand before. Like, nobody was even talking, really, about brand, and she got it in community. You know, community like you. I, I see emulated, without you guys knowing her and what you, you know, accomplished at the juice truck, I, I saw that in, it, in its, you know, full expression 35 years ago on West Forth, on, you know, by Alma and uh, there of this woman. And, and so I sent her a little note. I guess she's in her 70s now and said, you know, 
I know I've said it to you before, but I will please understand that what you afforded me, the access you gave me, still resonates in my conversations day to day. And so now I'm, you know, sitting at a table with three um, people that I have great love for. And, and um, yeah, it's so funny because with this work with Zach and uh, with Ryan and, and the juice truck, you know, we talked about when Devin was here, how it started. There is, you know, sure, that often people go, oh, you, you know, I know you supported them a lot, but the gift they gave to me was um, allowing me, always slightly pushing me to consider something different. And what I learned from that is uh, I also learned how to stick in my own lane. Uh, even though I have lots of lanes I can cross because I'm a little bit older than you, is to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about this before. What you put in your smoothies has actually got nothing to do with me, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I feel like that. So I want to honor that time that I spent with you and Ryan, Zach, to say thank you for, like, your trust and thank you for always your love and your kindness. But also there is there was so much um, that I received for that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I just have so much gratitude for you, Judy. Yeah. So Yeah, no, it's like honestly, I I I learned lessons in my being my time with you guys that are important lessons that I I literally pass on to others um because of that experience. Um and you know, Sean is um well, uh, uh, you know, here I'm sitting with this consider in front of me which you know, I guess it will be our ongoing conversation for the rest of our lives of, you know, who really, who really bought form to it. And, you know, um, thank you. I had a pretty convincing argument yeah. that was you yeah. Yeah, and your community. So, yeah. yeah, and I have an equal convincing argument that, uh, you know, people keep going, I'm not met, I'm not seen, um, like, totally seen, totally mm. met. So, you know, and without that... Um, it's not just me. There's all of these stories and all these this poetry of people that have done so much, you know, Matthew and Warren and Simi, and, you know, they're all in there. And if they're not in there, they're still in there. Mm-hmm. Even if their names aren't in there, they're still in there. And, you know, Dean, I, I don't think I've said this to you before, but I talk about you often more than I have a right to, considering I don't actually know you super well. But, you know, this this idea of you with, the spirituality and 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 a spirituality that takes form in 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 a religious in mm. a, something called religion, and how you are bringing that forth, mm. uh, you know, I find it so inspirational. And and yeah, I just need you to know I talk about you often because I'm like, it can all be different. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's what that means to me. So I might be uh, the oldest at the table. Maybe I guess I am, but I will say that in this, I want to make sure that I still am in um, complete gratitude and understand um, the privilege I've received by being in relationship with each of you. Well, thank you, Judy. Mm-hmm. It's very much uh, a shared shared gratitude. Mm-hmm. It's very mutual. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Thank you for sharing that and yeah. for sharing conversation. Should we should we do a, a consideration or a contemplation totally. before we wrap up? And yeah, which one would you maybe rather? Maybe maybe ask one cycling question before <laughs> before the pod lands. Uh, are you going consideration or contemplation today? Ooh, let's go consideration. Contemplation or consideration? Hmm. Uh, consideration. Contemplation or consideration? I'll do a contemplation. Hmm. 
Zach, you want me to start? Read us off. Okay. Care, don't mind. Knowing what is yours and what is not. The question. How will you sit in compassion and care without attachment? Um, should I read the whole thing or just no, kind of get into that? just tell us what your jam is today on this one because it's different every time. Yeah, I just grabbed, uh, I'd done the one that was on top on a previous podcast. So I just grabbed the second one. And, you know, they're all so beautiful and they all bring up such timely um, questions. I think, I'll say it again, how will you sit in compassion and care without attachment? I think it's so important right now because um, that word compassion, it's different than empathy. I think we look for empathy because we can relate to it. But I think being able to have compassion with something that you can't relate to at all is like the goal, you know? So if I can have compassion for people and situations that I have no attachment to, that I have no understanding to, that I have no experience with, I think that is finding a true sense of compassion. And I think that's so badly what we need on a macro level because we're trying to, globally, we're trying to hang on to all these old paradigms. Mm. Um, and we need to release them with compassion to allow for mm. for growth and, and mm. you know, what, what this world, what this humanity needs next. So I love that. And that attachment is both not to the judgment of what has been because perhaps it perfectly served at a moment in time. Perhaps. Sometimes it hasn't. But also that idea of, like, it's easy to be kind when you feel kind. It's mm-hmm. harder to be kind when you're not in agreement. And, you're in a and good, so where's the deep compassion in that? Yes, yes, compassion when you're not in agreement. I think compassion that's... Compassion when you're not in agreement with the beliefs or your, you know, and I always say, too, is, like, think of your beliefs now and then go back 20 years. Do you have the same beliefs? Mm, yeah, no. definitely not. No, so no. We're, we attach to a moment in time and we stand staunch on that and often with not the kindness or grace to realize that we're all, you know, we're all just in a moment of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, nice. yeah. What about for you, Sean? Um, <clears throat> this was sitting right up at the top. So, isn't that interesting? It did not happen to you. It just happened. Um, releasing narrative. And the, and the question is can you release the hold that destructive, negative, and clutching energy has on you? And so, you know, I think we opened this segue into, uh, you know, my childhood that happened. Um, mm-hmm. And I was absolutely very much a part of that childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> I just, <clears throat> my take on that is, um, yeah, it took some time and I'm still doing, I'm still thinking and in, in open to having that release. But I, um, you know, I, my, I, my, I view my childhood and my mother um, quite lovingly now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. And yeah. Thanks for doing yeah. that. You know, when you're so, I, I think it's really important to say, and that you know, it didn't happen to you; it just happened. Is not that it didn't have impact, mm-hmm. but when we can stop thinking that we were doled out punishment from the universe or from, you know, our version of God, and rather it happened, and you know, your um, release of that for your mom is, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about moms lately. Is, you know. Th- we just have to start with, we have to thank them because without them, we're not there here. Mm-hmm. We just don't exist without mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And and then the idea that um, really the act of releasing without, like you said, necessarily forgetting 
or even uh, and knowing what you're up and able for, what's appropriate mm-hmm. now is, <clears throat> I think that's beautiful discernment. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a holding on to. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't hear all. I heard a deep reality mm-hmm. and non-attachment to mm-hmm. something. You know, it was what it was, mm-hmm. and here I am now. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, mm-hmm. that uh, and and again, when you say that, when you say about you know, I can feel love for my mom, even love for my childhood. That's like, that heals something in humanity for us all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thanks for thank doing you. that. Yeah. All right, I got, I got one out beyond. This one's made an appearance on the podcast before, too. Not, not this card, but this poem yeah. from Rumi. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. Yeah. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase mm-hmm. each other doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just love the non-binary like mm-hmm. reality of this. And in a conversation around creativity, and it's not this or that or creative or not creative, it's presence and it's mm-hmm. space and like it's that field mm-hmm. and being willing to meet there I think is so Mm -hmm. so central to what we were talking about and that ideas language like it doesn't have to make sense we can just be and be Mm -hmm. present and in the moment and that expression will come out there yeah absolutely um when we try to understand we sometimes take the magic away Mm -hmm. and uh, on the way over I was like thinking about acceptance of an individual without their allowance of maybe behaviors that are harmful for you in your life, but the acceptance of them just as their full humanity. I mean, reaches back to what we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You're an acceptance of your mother as a human being who is mm. a mother who, who mm-hmm. loved you. Mm, totally. And it doesn't yeah. mean that there has to be an allowance of, of whatever it is right now in your life. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, what about you, Judy? Do you have one? Yeah. Oh, do I have one that, like, oh, they want me to read? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Always. Ooh. Um, oh, I think this, I'll just use this one. Because it was, we talked about resiliency earlier. What if it was easy? Balance resilience with flexibility. Balancing resilience with flexibility. Um yeah, I can feel it on my face when I'm making something harder than it has to be. Mm. Uh, mm. Are you making life harder than it has to be? And I, and I think that idea, I'm going to actually read a little bit of this. There's a time to surrender. Give yourself and the world pause and consider that it doesn't have to be hard. Often you are unaware of how you are fighting your way through your day. Shoulders tensing towards your ears, words on rapid fire. You are armored up with labels and your fears. Easy is another approach, a culmination of deep understanding and a practice of non-attachment grace and lightness. As pain hits, and it will, whether to heart or body, breathe and expand. You can be sure there's something on the other side and you can choose to arrive there in peace or in exhaustion from the fight. Resilience is important and it doesn't have to be hard. It can be gracious. It can be a path to thriving, not just the battle of surviving. Ease calls for flexibility of self. It manifests physically by softening 
of your face, your mouth, your eyes, your jaw, your forehead, dropping of your shoulders, opening of your hands, not clenched fists. In your responses, give space to understand what is needed from you now or not. Don't solve, fix, or minimize. Instead, embrace awareness and wisdom. Smile to meet whatever it is with an awareness that you simply don't know. You have the capacity and the option to walk forward with more ease. Choose ease. Mm. Choose ease. I love that. We should all choose ease. Yes, we should. Can take effort, but it can still be yeah, easy. Practice, yeah, practice, 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 practice. Yeah. Wow, guys. All right. Thank you. Well, I think we'll save cycling for our second conversation, <laughs> or we can take it off. You <laughs> yeah, know? But yeah. I think there's Sorry. there's themes of resilience. Why don't we just go cycling? <laughs> we'll go yeah, instead of talking about, about it. We'll, go, yeah. we'll go for yeah. a bike ride. Let's do it. To um, we do have a closing question that we ask all guests, and uh, you know, Dean's kind of our <laughs> our uh, quarterback that brings it home. <laughs> That's Dean, right. Dean, can you close things out for us? Yeah, well, first of all, Sean, thanks for, for being here with us and, and sharing uh, so openly uh, and vulnerably about yourself and your life, your process of, of creating and all um, all that you've given to us. It's been a gift, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and in creating our podcast, we wanted to make a space where people who have amazing stories and are up to just cool stuff in the world can can share about it. And we believed that in doing so, we would create more good in the world and so thus the name kind of came to us creatively um a little more good and we always wonder uh, and are curious about what that phrase means to our guests so sean what does that mean to you a little more good oh it's an excellent name by the way um to me it like i don't know i the idea like just every day just trying to be a little a little bit more open, a little bit more um, available and present, and just like a little bit more, <laughs> like, and and like that practice. I think over the arc of time, you see change. Judy, you had mentioned um, what were our, how were my, what were my beliefs twenty years ago? Well, they were different than they are now, mm-hmm. and I think it's just daily, just be, just being open to be a little bit more open and better and thoughtful and kind and just a little bit more yeah it's a beautiful name by the way thank you for inviting me too yeah so. it's been my pleasure yeah honestly so good appreciate you very much thank you yeah thank you and judy thank you oh, pleasure thank you thank you for the invitation always fun beautiful to be here yes all right until next time guys until next time thank you. until next thank time you. thank you what a man, what a story, what a journey. Right? Resilience, creativity, Honestly. forgiveness, intentionality, creativity, fatherhood, parenthood. So many, so many takeaways. Yes. In terms of just a story that is moving, but also like you, you may or may not have like the same path, but like we've all kind of, I think, walked similar roads whether it's like seeing your own self as someone who's creative or someone who longs to bring creativity or an intentionality of like creating and designing a life that has purpose and meaning and value and service. Ah, it was just such a good, good, good conversation yeah. with good vibes all the way through. Yeah, I love that creativity is practice. practice yes. Practice, you know. Yes. Let's talk about practice. We're talking about practice. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode. <laughs> 
um, you know, the best way that uh, y'all can support us podcasters, if you enjoyed this episode and you're still listening, you know, throw up a review on Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, share it with a friend, put it up on your, your Instagram, your IG, your Facebook, text it to your mom, your dad, your neighbor. Uh, just spread the good word. You know, that, that helps us in immense ways and allows us to do what we do. That's right. And if you're interested in just uh, finding out more about Sean, check him out at carterhales.com. Um, and you'll be able to read a little bit more of his story, see some of his work and be connected through all of the socials and things like that. But yeah, give him, uh, give him some love over the interwebs. And thank you, thank you, thank you for your time and attention and yeah, liking, sharing, and being a part of a little more good in the world. We appreciate y'all. Peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 